You're listening to Retail Disrupted, a podcast that explores the latest industry developments and the trends that will shape how we shop in the future. I'm your host, Natalie Berg. Hello, and welcome back to Retail Disrupted. It is so great to be back. I've really missed this podcast. I feel like I was just starting to find my feet in July, just starting to kind of get some momentum with the podcast and, you know, get comfortable with the content and the format. And then it was time to break up for the summer. And as much as I would love to say that I am incredibly well rested after six weeks off with my children, you all know that's not possible. (laughs) Need a vacation from the vacation. But we did have a great summer and it is, I know it's, I'm in a fortunate position to be able to have the flexibility to take that time off and totally switch gears, totally switch into mom mode for, for six weeks. And also just to have a little bit of a reset. I, I do think it's, um, you know, if possible, it is great to be able to take some time off. I'm conscious not everybody can take a whole summer off or maybe not everybody wants to take a whole summer off because come September, I'm always kind of pulling my hair out and thinking, why do I torture myself every summer? And uh, also still trying to dabble a little bit. I'm always really uh, always really upfront with my clients that I do take. I, it's, it's pretty much four weeks, but kind of two weeks of juggling. And um, yeah, I'm always pretty clear that I'm off for the summer, but uh, by you, you can't help thing, things come up and you still, you know, responding to things. So it's, it's not, it's kind of, you're being pulled in two different directions and the mental load is, is huge. It's huge. But uh, we did have a great summer. We traveled around Europe a little bit. We drove to France as a family for the first time, which was great. And um we had a separate trip to Croatia with some friends. Uh, such an amazing place. It's the second summer that we've been there. Definitely recommend it if you've never been. So we had lots of time outdoors, camping, beach trips, that sort of thing. And then my mom, who lives in Florida, she came out and spent the rest of the summer with us, which was so nice. And I think she brought the Florida weather with her too, which was also nice because it's been kind of a strange summer here in London. But the heat wave is over. The kids are back at school. We all have some much needed structure and routine. And I am ready to talk shop again. So today, it's it's just me on the podcast today. It's going to be a relatively brief one. Uh, I am actually up to my eyeballs in client work, which is a great problem to have, not a complaint. Uh, next week, I will be in Paris at Paris Retail Week. So if any of you are going to be there and want to grab a coffee, please do get in touch. You could drop me a message on LinkedIn or Twitter or email. Uh, it's natalie at mbkretail.com. And once I get my head around how to record remotely... <laughs> which is very much on my to-do list, then I'm going to be hoping, I'm going to be looking to record uh, while I'm at the many events that I attend. So, so yes, I am still a podcasting novice and I'm not tech savvy in the slightest. So very much on my list of to-dos. Okay, so without further ado, let's get into today's show. 
So today we are going to be talking about Amazon and its new partnership with the frozen food specialist Iceland. It was just announced this morning that Iceland will begin selling its groceries on Amazon's platform. Initially, this is only going to be available within the greater Manchester area, but over the coming months, it will be expanded across the UK. So how is it going to work? Well, the groceries will be picked from local Iceland stores, and then Amazon will handle the delivery. It'll be same-day delivery, and there will be scheduled two-hour time slots. This will be free if you're a Prime member and you spend over £60. Otherwise, you will pay a small fee for smaller orders. So that's the announcement. And I think there's a lot to unpack here. So I guess if we start off with uh, just reminding everyone that this isn't anything new for Amazon. So Amazon has existing relationships with Morrison's, with Co-op, and uh, also with Booth's, which doesn't get as much uh, as much media attention, but Booth's uh, the kind of Waitrose of the North, as it's refer often referred to. Uh, so these are all third-party supply contracts, just like Iceland, Iceland will be. And you do have to wonder, why are these supermarkets so keen to partner with a competitor? What's in it for these partners? Isn't Amazon just the ultimate frenemy? Aren't they just quietly becoming the rails that the retail industry runs on? And if so, why would you want to support that? Iceland is actually kind of an interesting story because <laughs> they seem to have done a complete 180 here. When I saw the news this morning, I thought, hang on, I'm pretty sure that Iceland has said in the past that they would never partner with Amazon because I remember including it in the book. So um, I did find the quote in, in our book. Um, and to be fair, this was five years ago. And the MD, I'm, I'm going to read you the quote so you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it was from their MD, Tarsum Dhaliwal. And again, it was five years ago, and he's no longer at Iceland. But at the time, he said, and I quote, we hate Amazon. They'll bully us and do horrible things to us. They'll use us, and we don't want anything to do with them. Well, I think that position is pretty clear. <laughs> five years later they've now partnered with them. So it is interesting. Why the change of heart? I, I can't say for sure, but I suspect it's because they've realized that, I, I suspect, first of all, the pandemic, like for so many grocers, they realized that this was a real catalyst for online grocery retail and that online grocery shopping is not going away. Yes, people are returning to supermarkets in such a major way. And some of that is driven by the cost of living crisis and the need to find better value, as we've covered before on the podcast. But on the whole, online grocery shopping isn't going away. And Amazon has become a channel that cannot be ignored. Now, that's not to say that Amazon is winning grocery far from it right now. In fact, Amazon's longer-term grocery strategy remains pretty questionable in my view. But I think what has become crystal clear is that just like in non-food, the success of Amazon's grocery model 
will be reliant on its ability to offer three things, breadth of assortment, convenience, and perhaps to a lesser extent, value. Worth pointing out here, most supermarkets do one or maybe two of those things. They definitely don't do all three. Amazon, Amazon is, they're slowly finding their feet in grocery and also they're becoming more transparent about their intentions. In today's press release that was announcing the Iceland deal, I thought it was interesting, just the introductory paragraph, because to me that felt like, whoa, Amazon really feels more comfortable in its own skin here. So they said, again, a quote from Amazon, shoppers today have an overwhelming array of options for groceries, which often means they need to visit lots of different stores to get everything they want. But what if shoppers could get all their grocery needs served through one relationship, one app, and a familiar experience? Amazon's goal is to build a best-in-class grocery experience for customers where Amazon is the first choice. Remember that, because we're going to come back to that in a sec. But where Amazon is the first choice for selection value and convenience, whether shopping in-store or online. Okay. That said, Amazon's most pressing, most fundamental challenge in grocery has not changed. They still struggle to be perceived as a credible food destination. And I've said this before, you know, UK shoppers, at least, perhaps it's a little bit different in the US, but at least in the UK, you know, Amazon is seen as a destination for Lego, not a destination for lettuce. (laughs) I think that just sums it up, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've used Amazon for, you know, last minute, a kid's party, you you need a present for a kid's party, and it's a quick uh, and reliable source for for that type of uh, shopping mission. But when it comes to groceries, the shopping experience isn't great. It's not great. I mean, I'll say it. It's clunky. It's convoluted. It's confusing. I mean, I'm an analyst. I've written a book about Amazon. And even I struggle to find my way on their grocery site. I also think the value proposition is unclear. I bet that most shoppers couldn't tell you if Amazon's prices were intended to be comparable to Sainsbury's, to Waitrose, to Aldi. It's just not clear. And for the record, it is Sainsbury's. (laughs) And again, I know I'm being particularly critical of Amazon, but I think you have to. You know, Amazon's been dabbling in bricks and mortar. And I do, again, to their credit, I absolutely believe in Amazon's ability to see things as an outsider, as a tech company, to disrupt the status quo to improve the customer experience. I mean, everything they do is with the customer at the heart of, of all the all their decision-making. So I absolutely believe in addressing the friction at the checkout, for example. But I question whether Amazon really wants to be a supermarket or a technology provider. It's definitely more lucrative to create the tech and then sell it to the rest of the industry. And as I've said many times, I think, yes, Amazon needs stores, but does it need its own stores? So lots to unpack there, but I'm going to keep it focused on, uh, we'll go back to Iceland and just keep it focused because this is such a big topic and we can easily, you know, we can easily um, go in different directions. In grocery, Amazon's problems run deeper than product, but 
at the end of the day, it's no use having the infrastructure if you don't have a compelling range of stuff to sell. And that's why these partnerships are so important. They give Amazon instant brand recognition, credibility. In the case of Iceland, it gives them the opportunity to show their customers that they can offer value online, which they, to some extent they can with Morrison's, but not really with co-op and not with booths. So I think Iceland is unique in that sense. And also Amazon gets to learn more about how to sell food online. It's also important we don't forget Amazon's ultimate goal in grocery is maybe contrary to popular belief. It's it's not actually to become the biggest supermarket, but it's about becoming big enough and credible enough so that customers buy groceries with Amazon on a fairly regular basis and they end up making Amazon their first port of call for everything else. That's that's really what they're trying to do, which is kind of scary when you <laughs> write it down and lay it out like that. But I mean, that is their intention. So again, going back to the benefits, why on earth would Morrison's Co-op, Iceland Booths, et cetera, want to jump on Amazon's platform? So what are the benefits for them? I think the benefits are twofold. Firstly, and they're obvious, this isn't, you know, I think most people would be able to figure this out, but the obvious first one is reach. Amazon has millions of very loyal Prime members and, you know, converting them to buying groceries on Amazon is another thing here. But the fact is there is a pool of loyal and relatively well-off shoppers that are at Amazon's disposal. And in the case of Iceland, whose shoppers tend to be a lot more price sensitive, it's also perhaps a chance for them to reach a broader demographic in this current the current climate where everyone's looking for low prices. The second thing here is Amazon's tech and logistics expertise. Most supermarkets don't have the capability to offer free same-day delivery. So if you can't beat them, you might as well join them. Now, to be fair to Iceland, they do, perhaps surprisingly, offer same-day delivery. And they're, they are an interesting um, retailer in, in, in a lot of respects. They've even gone against the grain by offering free delivery on regular grocery orders. And at a time when all the supermarkets are slowly trying to charge for grocery delivery. So they're, they're really sticking to their guns there. And um, clearly see an opportunity with selling groceries online. should also just briefly point out that they have what appears to be a very successful tie-up with Uber Eats for 20-minute delivery. So I think the Amazon partnership is really just another string to their bow, and I think it'll be a great marriage of value and convenience. Now, this marriage of value and convenience in itself, I think, will be interesting to watch develop not just with Amazon and Iceland, but um, Aldi, for example, uh, had been rolling out click and collect as the most economical way of, you know, having a digital presence and selling online. And they've kind of quietly been rolling back. They've quietly been curtailing that service. And it does 
make me wonder whether you can do value and convenience, whether that's actually possible or whether you have to choose one or the other. In summary, it's clear that Amazon needs grocery. But does the grocery industry really need Amazon? Iceland sure thinks so. Thank you for listening to Retail Disrupted. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, please leave a rating or review or share it with others. It really makes a difference.